0: Welcome to Dear Nina, a podcast about the ups and downs of friendship. I offer practical advice with the goal of making our friendships as great as possible. On today's episode, my guests, Christy Tate and I are discussing how much you should reveal to a new friend about your personal life. We're talking about more than basic history here, and even more than the basic juicy stuff. If you have what some might consider extra baggage, is this something you should tell a new friend right away? If not, when is the right time to share personal details that might scare away a new friend if told too soon? But before we dive into the question, I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, Christy Tate. Christy is an author and essayist who grew up in Texas and now lives and works in Chicago, which is my hometown. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Chicago Tribune, McSweeney's Internet Tendency, The Rumpus, the Atticus Review, Carve Magazine, and elsewhere. Her debut memoir, Group, How One Therapist and a Circle of Strangers Saved My Life, was an instant New York Times bestseller and a Reese Witherspoon book club pick in 2020. Welcome, Christy. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I really want to tell you, even though you already know, that Group was one of my favorite books of 2020. I bought it in hardcover. I want to say, and everyone, it is out in paperback now, but I bought it in hardcover for myself my mom, several friends. I listened to the audio too. I listened to the audio first, then bought a copy because I wanted a copy. And I recommend it all the time. And I was just so extremely excited for you when I came out because we kind of knew each other vaguely from the blog literary world. And I don't know if you remember how long it's been. I mean, how long, when did you start writing publicly?
1: I think I started writing publicly 2011. So around that time, I think I was aware of you, and we were both writing kinder, gentler days of the internet and blog world. We were writing about family and kids and parenting, and the tide has turned, and I think neither of us do that anymore.
0: (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I I started writing publicly around 2010, 2011, so that makes sense. It is a different world, because when we started writing, it was pre... Obviously, it was not pre-internet, but it was pre-Instagram, for sure, and maybe even pre-Facebook, certainly in the way it is now. It was just a a different time and probably why we both don't write about parenting so much anymore. It's just too vulnerable out there to throw my kids into that. And so friendship ended up being a great topic for me because we get these great questions and it's a way to talk about something I really care about without necessarily making it about my own friendships, although I do talk about them sometimes. So for people who have not read Group, which everyone should do that immediately, I would think that it would be helpful to hear a little bit about what the book is about.
1: Sure. So Group opens, and I had just finished my first year of law school and I found out I was first in my class, which should have been cause for great celebration and buying of many fancy things. But instead, I was driving through really battled areas of Chicago, kind of hoping to die And the reason for that was I could see that my professional future was gleaming and I was headed in this really direction of success and money and power. But my personal life, which I actually cared a lot more about, was really, really dismal. I knew I didn't know how to have long-term, intimate relationships, friendships, boyfriends. I was not close to my family. I was really lonely. And when I looked into the future, all I could see was billable hours probably some great purses and awesome shoes, but I was going to die alone. And I was pretty sure about that and very depressed. Someone recommended her therapist and I poo-pooed it because I didn't have the money yet. I didn't make, I was a law student and I didn't think therapy would work. I thought it was for rich people, but I went to see her guy and it turns out he does, he does groups and they're way cheaper than individual. And I thought, okay, well I'll do this until I make bank as a lawyer And when I went, he told me he could help me. He could put my life in a position. He could help me transform my life so I could have very close friendships, a partnership, a marriage, children. And he promised me what felt like the world as long as I did two things. One was join one of his psychotherapy groups. And two was disclose every single aspect of my life, financial, food, sex, everything. Share it with my group and my life would change And I ended up taking the challenge. And the book is sort of the ups and downs that happened along the way once I committed to this process, joined a group, and allowed my life to be transformed.
0: It's an absolutely riveting story. A lot, you're so honest and raw in there. You really do reveal a lot. And I would never assume that you reveal everything. I'm sure most people understand that in a memoir, you're telling a specific story. And it's not all the stories, but it's still real. And it reads like you're really getting a personal view into someone's life. And it relates so well to our question. So I'm going to read that question. Then I have some other questions about the book as it relates to our letter writer. But I'll read the question first. Dear Nina, I read your columns like an alien reads a roadmap. What do you tell a person who's too cynical to try making new friends? I've been in therapy long enough to know my reasons for struggling in relationships, reasons that started early and contributed to my antisocial programming. I know that the answer is you just have to try. Friendship will be worth it. But how do you hold on with new friends? How do you get through those cycles of closeness and separation without projecting some bad stuff on the other person and shutting it down? Should I warn someone I have mental health issues that have led to some big messes in relationships? The problem is I've tried that and it feels like the person instantly moves me from potential friend to someone you treat with kid gloves. I don't know, Nina. I feel all messed up and inadequate. I know that everyone feels this way, but what do you do if you really have been an inadequate friend in the past and decided it's not worth it to keep trying? Signed, not sure how much to reveal. So my question for you in relation to your book is, how much did you end up telling people that when you were first making friends in Chicago or just as time went on and and work, when you started working and meeting new people, The information that later ended up in the book, how much did you share with people before you were a published author, which was many, I mean, it took many years.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And when, when you asked me that, when I read the letter writer's um, question, I really thought to myself that I really related to every single word and I've had, I've had friendships blow up. I've withheld, you know, I've had bad experiences And then the next time I met someone that I thought could be a potential friend, I withheld. And I tried to be very just like pleasant and surface. And that never went anywhere, probably because I wasn't bringing my full self. And in terms of what I, an overshare example that I'm thinking of is my kid, one of my kids was going to a program and we were at the, you know, the parent meeting where they're describing it. And one of the things, and I was sitting next to this woman, and we'd sort of hit it off. I'd seen her at other things for my other child, and I thought of her as a potential friend. And now we were going to have this other connection. And during the meeting, they were describing how the kids were going to swim, and I was getting real anxious about that. I have a, there's a traumatic water experience in my past. It's definitely in my book, um, and I. I don't normally share it, but we were talking about swimming and the woman next to me seemed, she asked some questions that signaled to me that she was anxious too. So in a break in the action, I just turned to her and I was like, you know, I'm really nervous about the swimming. I was in this accident in Hawaii and somebody died in front of me and I probably went too far. It was, I probably gave her a more graphic, probably scared the hell out of her because I gave a very graphic description of what happened to me. In the middle of a parent meeting, I didn't know her well. She was at best an acquaintance. And I look back on that and I think I was trying to manage my anxiety and do friendship at the same. I was trying to do too much at once. Right. And I think what I essentially did was hand her my anxiety to hold. And of course, you don't want to be friends with someone who wants you to be the dumpster for somebody else's bad feelings. And that's a definite example of like an overshare. And what I've learned even just with the example of like that experience, my experience took place in Hawaii. So I always think about like, when do I tell a friend about Hawaii? And I've done it lots of different ways. What I try to do is watch watch for the other person. Have I been invited to share something deep and dark and traumatic? Have they shared anything of the same caliber? Have they earned the right to this story from me? I try to look for those clues. So if they're backing away, if, if I put a test balloon out there about trauma or say something like a one word and I watch their response, if they're backing away, if they don't pick up the thread, then I know we're not going there. But if they seem interested and open or have something to say back to me about trauma, not even their own, but just in general, then I begin to feel that the way is being paved with safety, with intimacy, with back and forth. But if it's just me out on that limb, that's not a good sign for me.
0: And exactly, it's you want to have that information feel earned. I like what you said about that. And there is such a thing as oversharing. I've done it. I do it about personal things. I've done it about silly things where I just either it's that I'm saying too much that's personal or just talking for too long. (laughs) It's definitely something I struggle with. The other person having to earn information is such a nice and positive way of thinking about it, as opposed to where our letter writer seems to be sitting with this worry of burdening the other person. The letter writer didn't use the word burden, but that's the sense I'm getting is this worry that if I share this information, it's going to be a burden. And that is always a possibility, but maybe that person just isn't the right Friend. Not every friend is the right match. And it is possible that this letter writer needs the kind of friend who does have the capacity to go deeper. It won't be everyone, and it may be only one or two people. I don't know if our letter writer is looking for tons of friends, but it's not necessary. You can have a couple really close friends even just one really close friend. And everyone else could be a little more surface. There is room in life. seems like a strange answer to someone who's looking for close friends. Part of my answer back is maybe just be looking for one or two, take some of that pressure off and allow some casual relationships, allow some acquaintances. One thing we learned in COVID times is that those acquaintances do round out our life a bit. And without them, All we have are the really intimate relationships, the couple of those, and those are so special and important. But if you only have that, it's so intense all the time. It's not the worst thing to have someone you could talk about a TV show with. And I I, I just want to go back to the invitation thing too. I like what you said about being invited to share more information. And, And part of how we know that is that the other person shares. If you're not ever getting information back, it's not even necessarily that you're being too much, or the letter writer is being too much, or I'm being too much. And a more positive view, maybe we have a lot to give, and the other person just doesn't have the space to receive it, or the desire to share.
1: Yeah, I think one of the tricks, or one of the challenges of friendship and figuring out where to put my friendship energy is figuring out And I try to, I've I've looked for sort of neutral ways to talk about this because my tendency is to really pathologize myself. Like I've ghosted in the past. I really, really, really in my female friendships, I struggle with jealousy and it's a huge, huge problem. And I've tried it where I front it up front. Like, oh my God, well, this is going to be difficult because your body is really perfect or your hair or your kids because I know it's going to be a problem. And then I've, I've fronted it. And sometimes that goes well because people appreciate sort of a disclaimer, (laughs) but then sometimes what I'm fronting is sort of a, Hey, I'm a hot mess. You might just want to tread carefully. And so I think there's something interesting about like figuring out, like I said, like who deserves that information, who wants to dance with me and also to whom is this information important? And sometimes I use information. I think the truth is I've used information to push people away. Like I'm scared of intimacy. I'm scared of people getting close to me. I I don't, even after all my years of therapy, I still don't quite understand it because my conscious understanding is I want close, I want close intimates. But then as people get close to me, I do get scared. I get scared. Maybe it's because of Trauma, or it's just a scary proposition. Things get messy. As you get closer, people get messier. That's my experience of myself and of other people. And I know I have to have a lot of support to sort of find my way through that. And like you said, being discerning about who do I think has the ability to carry this with me and to help me to do the give and take friendship. It's a discernment process. And if it doesn't work out, I'm slowly letting go of the idea that that's my fault, that I should have done this or I should have done that. Maybe we just don't have good chemistry. One of my friends always says, oh, that person's just not my cup of tea. And I'm like, that's such a strange, brutish way to say that. But it's sort of like, it takes this thing. Like nobody has to have blame or shame. It's like, we didn't hit it off. That's not, we do, we do different things and we just leave it at that. And the world is full of other people that I can pursue and, and try to make connections with.
0: Um, I appreciate you sharing that bit about you fronting the information about jealousy, for example, because our letter writer does ask, is, should I be saying things up front? How did people react? Like you said to somebody, just so you know, I'm going to struggle with the fact that your hair is gorgeous and your body's perfect and your kids seem to have no issues. What do people yeah. say?
1: You know, I think people are, People are some generally, I'm thinking of one was in a group of writers, and this one woman, I didn't know. We got together and we'd read each other's pieces, and this woman just had this gorgeous writing, and I already I mean my funny way of saying it is I hate her. But the truth is like I'm I'm intimidated. I'm so, so desperately envious of her talent. I'm envious of what she can do with words. I cannot do that, and I desperately want to. And so I had all of that going on in my head. Around her, and so when I met her in person, I just said it. I blurted it out. We were having snacks. It was like the get to know you, and I was like, "I'm, I'm dying. I'm, I can't decide if I want to be close to you or get the hell away from you because I'm so, so envious of what you did on the page, and it's like in my way." And she laughed, and she seemed to appreciate it because the truth is. I mean, she said to me, you know, I struggle with jealousy, too. She did not say, I'm so jealous, Christy Tate, of your writing, (laughs) which probably I maybe wanted to hear, but it wouldn't have been true. And she didn't say it. But she was just sort of like, these things are hard. It's really hard when you step into an arena and there's other people. And I don't know if it's women or if it's the human condition, the comparing, the hierarchy that we all do. It felt like she's better than me. And I'd already put her on a pedestal. And I think the fact that I named it right away was disarming. And also, it kept me from pushing her away. I didn't want to be distant from her anymore. I had just said the thing. And every writer, I'm imagining, I don't know if this is true, but for yes. me, there was another writer that she was jealous of. and of course, always. Mix. So something about naming it sort of like made it a funny joke between us and we still, we're still close. It worked out that time. Now I didn't get really dark about it. I just, I tossed off a funny comment, like a self-deprecating comment about who I am in the world. It's true. It was lighthearted. And if she wanted to pick up the the more heavy tendrils of that lighthearted comment, they were right there for the taking. And she seemed game and it was sort of like, I think it was an honest connection and it worked out. I think naming the thing without a bunch of discursive backstory might be a good way to just front it because it was going to be there anyway.
0: When you're talking about jealousy and and writers, it's so true. I think uh, my theory, well, about a lot of jealousy, this is, you know, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a social worker. My theory is that it's a scarcity issue. Mm -hmm. It's like we're jealous that there's only so much good writing to go around. And if that person's a good writer, we can't both be good writers. If, if that person has, you know, well-behaved kids, we can't both have well-behaved kids, which is of course just irrational, but it's, I think there's some truth to that, we can't all have good things. Like if you have the good thing that I can't have the good thing and um, we can all, we can all have the good things.
1: Yeah, I definitely suffer from the zero-sum game, 100% scarcity. And as an exercise, in, because my female re- relationships had gotten so painful to me, every single one on this issue, jealousy, my jealousy, what I was bringing to the table, I was like, I need to reckon with this. I've got to do some excavation. And I went all the way back. And, you know, self, self-knowledge self is important and excavation is important. But what was really important was Getting out there and and continuing to try in relationships and to continue to experiment with naming it, saying it to the person, picking friends I'm not jealous of, picking friends I am jealous like just letting myself have a lot of experiences and build the muscles to the relationship and friendship muscles and it's it's painful. But I had spent from my book, you probably can tell, I'd spent so much energy on male relationships that I was sort of like, huh. It turns out friendship takes some work, you know, if I wanted to have that kind of deep intimacy and not everybody wants that, but I did. And to have it with women, I had some work I had to do. I had some things I had to look at and reckon with.
0: To answer our letter writer's question, was it worth it? All the having to try with different people, trying the different methods of sometimes revealing more, sometimes revealing less? Because the letter writer's basically saying, this is so much Trouble. It's so much work and it is work. I want to affirm that friendship is work and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not weird that it is work. The letter writer is asking, is this work worth it? To have you felt it was worth it?
1: That is such a good question. I think it's the right question. The answer is on a global scale. And as I sit here talking to you, Nina, I feel like, oh absolutely. I'm so grateful for the friendships that I've stuck in, I've hung in there with, that I continue to work on. But I will say that I have many, many, many moments when it's difficult, when we've had when I've had a conversation last night, for example, I went to a wedding and I was with some friends there and there was three of us, three, three of my female friends were there. And at the end, we were trying to decide, can we leave? Because it was we were tired. you know. And two of them were like, you have to say goodbye to the bride. I was like, the bride does not want to talk to me. We're friends of the groom. And I, so this was like a friendship. It was, this was not a big deal, but I followed them and I, I left there feeling insecure. Like they're, they know social decorum, they're better people. I'm, I had this whole thing in my head of like, I'm kind of trashy cause I don't know the decorum at a wedding. And in those moments, when I've walked away from a social situation with friends and negotiated, these were not big issues. But mind you, I was tired and I was feeling insecure. I felt some shame about it. In those moments, I do still ask myself, is this worth it? Like, it's so awful to be confronted with my shame and my awkwardness and my social anxiety and my class. Like, I consider them to be in a different class financially and socioeconomically than I am and it's like ah, oh, I just don't want to do this and then I had a good night's sleep and this morning I went to group and now I'm like it's okay it's okay but some I, I just want to be heard to say to this letter writer there are plenty of moments in the heat of the moment or when I have the shame backlash after a thing and I think to myself it's not worth it I think the trick for me is to push through those moments And to let myself, okay, you just feel ashamed. You just feel ashamed. Go to bed, go get a snack, go to bed, whatever I need to do. But it's hard for those of us like me who are socially anxious and care about these things and have some trauma. It's a difficult thing. It's not always great, but I would say 62% of the time it's worth it. That's about the best percentage I can come up with.
0: That's a great answer, right? Because it can't, all be easy all the time. And it sounds like it's extra hard for our letter writer, but it would still be worth it, even though it's still going to be hard while the letter writer is trying. And I appreciated the letter writer's self-awareness. And I, I hope the letter writer hears this because I get so many questions where the letter writer blames the other person. And even though there's absolutely no way it's ever just one person's fault, including the letter writer, can't all be the letter writer's fault. I appreciated the letter writer's ability to to say there have been issues in my friendships and a lot of it has been me. I think that brings our letter writer way into the possibility of good friendships because it's just recognizing that the letter writer has gotten in the way of a successful friendship shows that there is potential there. There's self-awareness, there's potential and, I do hope the letter writer will keep trying. I
1: want to, I agree. I really want to affirm the self-awareness and the lack of victimhood. The letter writer is the kind of person I want to be friends with. Like, I want you to come the way that I look at my friendships. You got your baggage, bring it along. We don't have to do it in the first sesh, you know, our first like hang. (laughs) I don't need to hear all of it, but like, let's do a little bit at a time all the time. And if the number one thing I want in a friend is a person who can own their own parts, that's the number one thing. And this person has it. I agree. That is such an affirmation of the work that the letter writer has already done on, on themselves. And it's, it's priceless.
0: That's a great note to end on and a good time to transition to a segment. I called a better friendship goal of the week. So, Christy, I have an assignment for both of us. You just have to take my assignment. This week, let's try to actively remember that we never know what's really going on in someone else's life, that we don't ever know what other people have on their plates. So if a friend, a new friend, or or even a a well-established friend, doesn't have to just be a new friend, seems to be acting in a strange way or being really curt. Maybe you get a really curt response on text to something long you wrote and they write something like, sure, with no smiley face and no exclamation point or, God forbid, a period at the end of it. Instead of spiraling and and worrying that the friendship is doomed or there's some horrible thing going on, I think we can just assume, okay, this person has stuff going on. It's not necessarily about us. It's probably not about us move on. And we probably will save ourselves and the friendship a lot of heartache. That seems easy enough, right? That
1: is is so brilliant. I just love the work you're doing around friendship. I cannot tell you So brilliant. I'm kind of speechless. That's awesome. Thank you.
0: That's really nice. Thank you. Can you just tell us before you go where people can find you? Obviously they can find your book in every single bookstore. I've seen it. I saw it in Lake Forest. I was visiting my parents in Highland Park uh, a couple weeks ago and I saw it at the cute little bookstore there, but where can they find you on social media?
1: Sure. I mostly hang out at Instagram and I'm at Christy O. Tate on Instagram. I'm too scared for Twitter so I never, ever check it because I'm scared. <laughs> I'm, I, my skin is way too thin for Twitter. So mostly there, I think you can friend me on Facebook, but Instagram I'm around. I also have a website that collects all my writing and the news of where I'm at, where you may find me online or maybe in person soon. And my website is com.
0: And I'll have links to everywhere you can find Christy and buy her books on my show notes. You can find all the show notes at NinaBatson.com that's where you'll also find a place to ask an anonymous question. I'd love for listeners to join my Facebook group, Dear Nina. And if you like talking about friendship and you're liking the show, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to listen. Remember when our friendships are going well, we're happier all around.